I've been holding on to it because I I, I kind of sat up last night. I was like, it's always funny. I love telling people how I draw the characters because what I do is I, I creep on someone's Facebook and I like oh I screenshot like a picture where their facial features are most exaggerated. Oh God. And I'm like, you know, from from being a caricature artist in high school, I I take that picture and I go, okay, so how can I make this into a fucking monster? And I... <laughs> Which with, is so dope, by the with, way. With, thank you. With each person, I tend to emulate, like, an art style of some kind, whether mm. it's from horror or just animation. Like, I think, like, Where Am I's is based off of, like, Rick and Morty. Deputy Dewey is based off of, like, regular show. We have people who look like they jumped out of Adventure Time. Like, <laughs> you know, there are people who look like they belong in Creepypastas, yeah. like Terry the Tickler. Well, um, I don't know if Popeye. this helps, and I yeah. know it's not horror-related, but I'm Doesn't an Aqua Teen Hunger Force fan, for sure. <laughs> for that one? <laughs> for Aqua Teen, I feel like... Uh, uh, that was for Sofa King. I, okay, I, I okay. was like, I was that like, makes sense. That I was like, sense. how do I make a couch look like it wants to like yell at me? <laughs> and, and, and for that one, I was like, I was like, oh yeah, Sofa King. He uh, he's gonna get the inanimate object that looks like it it wants to yell at yeah. me. Yeah. Did so, you think about like making him super hairy like Carl? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did you see the eyebrows? Yes. <laughs> Uh, yes, perfect. the eyebrows on that kid—they're legendary. So I had to—I had <laughs> to sure. carry that over. Um, so for you, I—I I, I, at first I was like trying to do something from like Interface, which is like a really fun uh, YouTube that I follow. Mm. But the art is so like eight bit and crude that I didn't know if anyone would get it. And then like this morning, I'm—I'm I'm walking around. I'm cleaning. I'm looking at my DVD stacks and my brother is like singing in the shower upstairs <laughs> and I, and I sit and I go, oh my God, like I, like I fucking got it. Like I nailed it in like one second. I was like, I know exactly how I'm going to do this one. And, Drum roll. Uh, and, <laughs> and so it's because of our background together that I feel like comfortable doing it in like a very nice way. Totally. Um, but I'm going to make you kind of look like, um, like Audrey 2 from Little Shop of Horrors. Stop it. I'm going to find a way for like That's for like the lips to look very similar <laughs> and like for the eyes to kind of sit on on like the flower's head and then I'm going to have like your hair be like the nice like daisy flower petals <laughs> and like you're going to look like an evil plant. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. but that kind of goes with with your name, That's Daisy. Perfect. Yeah, dude. Plus like as girly as I am, I feel like I can also be, like, very aggressive so, and, like, very so you assertive. Eat a, you so eat like, a motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I'm, like, I'm, like, cute and dainty, but I'll, like, eat your fucking heart out. Well, that's, well, that's the, you know, that's the Venus flytrap effect of, of Audrey, too. You know, it's like, oh, what an interesting plant. 
chomp. Yeah, like, this is perfect. So this is I, perfect. but it's also because of the musical background. Mm. Like you, you and I date back to like. I don't know, like, 20 fucking years ago. Like, not only were you my neighbor for so long, but, like, we went to high school together and we were in musicals together. And Mm -hmm. just like so many other people on this show, I don't know why it took so long for me to be like, oh, yeah, she'd be good for the show. All that it took was you going, like, hey, I want to be on the show (laughs) for me to be like, okay, yeah, she could be on the show. Like, you didn't (laughs) even have any hoops to jump over. Like, I hope you realize that, like, some people have come to me been like, Hey, like, I really like what you're doing here. Like, do do you think you you'd need more people? And I always need more people. Yeah. Like, like whoever approaches me for whatever reason, I'm like, yeah, sure, come on. And um, specifically, if they smoke weed, I'm just like, hey, like, come, <laughs> let's let's smoke and read something stupid oh, that yeah. I found on the internet. But for the most part, it's just like people with acting experience, people with mm-hmm. voice experience, mm-hmm. like, you are overqualified <laughs> when it comes to, like, voice experience. Like, you, yeah. you sing more than, like, anyone I fucking know. Pretty much. Well... For real. So when I... So when did you and your fam move to our neighborhood? Because so, I started singing when I was 11 years old. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if it was about the same time. I'm a ballpark like 2004. Okay. And then we moved, we moved out in like 2016. I mean, I was yeah. there until like 18 ish, but yeah, they they had moved to um, the northern part of. The so state. that's exactly when I was 11 years old. <laughs> um, yeah, and Mad Mems, Mad Mems with the uh, you know capture the flag or like oh, yeah. manhunt or whatever the fuck. Yes. Is shenanigans that we in our neighborhood homies. We play. we had a we had a good group of kids. That was a, that was a fun little sure. that was a fun little upbringing and and I know that like we personally had our moments of conflict. Yeah. Um I was an asshole in high school. I t- <laughs> I talk about it all the time. I talk about it all the time specifically with um Django Phillips and uh and Dr. Ankenstein. Yeah. I talk about how I was such assholes to both of them in high school, and we all just laugh about it now. Yeah. But, like, genuinely, like, I was a dickhead to you. <laughs> and, and you and you really want to know why? Like, it's not a surprise. If you're ready, if you're ready for the motivation, I can fucking tell you. Again. It was because of the girl I was dating. The girl I dated all throughout high school was not a fan of yours, and I think it's because she was jealous, one, but at the same time, she didn't like that, like, you were my neighbor. <laughs> she was just like, she's like, how often do you see her? And I would just be I'm like... I'm honestly drawing a fucking blank right now. Oh, you don't remember who I dated in high school? No. That's totally okay. Let's not... <laughs> let's, let's not talk... Let's not talk about it. Yeah, but she, that's not preferable. <laughs> but she was friends with, like, I would consider, like... I'm just going to say her name, but I'm going to cut it. I never liked her. She was friends with who I was dating. Oh, my God. She was friends with who I was dating, and I felt like I had to get along with her. And she honestly was a bit of a bully and a bit of an asshole. And, like, really liked her. And Mm. I never understood it. I think it's because of her fascination with the Criterion Collection, (laughs) which is, like, an awful reason to be friends with someone. I feel like most of the people that we went to high school together with, um, yourself included, I had very mixed feelings on, like, throughout all of high school. There were times when I was like, 
this person is amazing. Like, I could be really good friends with this person. And, and then, then there were times And then, like, like two days later, I'm person. like, get the fuck out of my like, face. I, I never want to see you again. <laughs> but, that, but that, like, summarizes high school in a very, like, oh, cathartic sure. way. For because sure. it's like, there, there were years where I was just like, I... I thought I was close to certain people like like Django and I was yeah. just like I was like man we're like really good friends and then like all that it needs is one director to give someone like a better role than me and I'm just like I don't want to fucking know you anymore. I know. And at the end of the day like You don't deserve this. At the end of the day most of us were friends because we were in that like activity that established such like a community-based feeling but also familially like wanted to make you kill each other so that was absolutely it though (laughs) musical musical families like they're very ride or die and and that's just that's just how it happens but we were in a bunch of musicals together and i have talked about almost all of them um you know in in ad nauseum on the podcast before yeah but it's just like um i don't know anyone who brings their acting experience or even continues to act like my blood my my brother is still in things Mm -hmm. he still sings like all the time yeah he he's in tons of gigs he's in he tries to do as many shows as he can and like hats off to you i like i jumped out of the game like 10 years ago and only recently did i try getting back in (laughs) and i got cast as like a lead in a show that was going on in allentown and the premiere date was March 20th. Guess when the state, like, locked down because of coronavirus? <laughs> March 19th. So, so my show was literally cancelled right when it was going into opening week. And now... That's, like, the worst now I just situation. know. Now I just know that I'm not meant to, like, be on a stage anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I was like, yeah, I'm done. because it's like, it's like you put in all this effort, you pretty much possibly go through, like, fucking production week or whatever, like, the week before that is with all the finalization of details and then it's yep. like mm, just kidding lighting makeup costume changes yeah. uh music the, the whole shebang um we we were there we were done yeah i turned away from like the traditional arts i feel like like i was into the modeling and the acting and the theater and dance and then you know i vibed more with like the cover band like alternative r&b like pop stuff and and it just kind of went in that direction and it's been what I'm doing ever since. I think and and like I'm I'm happy for you. Um and like I see your gigs like all the time and even I was talking about them with me the other day. It's just like it's like that's so awesome that you continue to do something like that because you obviously do have the talent for it and you should absolutely continue doing something that you care about when you have the passion for it. Yeah. So it's just like I've had so many things fucking like stomped to death in front of me <laughs> over my life that I'm like I can't commit to them anymore Ugh. and um and it, and it kills me. So like yeah. when I roll over into things like this, like this is my outlet now. Totally. Like like, I've had people come to me for doing this show, and they've been like, hey, man, like, I stopped doing shows and, like, musicals, like, ten years ago, and I just want you to know, like, doing this show with you, kind of, like, it feels like we're doing something like that, and, you know, like, it feels like it's, like, an outlet for me to, like, mm-hmm. to, like, act again, you know, and, and like, yeah. I, I do appreciate that, because we are storytellers at the end of the day. We are trying to 
you know, go over a narrative. We mm. are trying to think critically. And that doesn't mean we can't have fun, which is where getting stoned and, and being <laughs> assholes comes in. So, like, definitely, if you if you think of something funny, just go ahead and blurt it out. It doesn't, <laughs> ma- doesn't matter if I'm fucking talking. Well, and it fits, it fits you, for sure. And I... <laughs> <laughs> and I have I have some interest coming from that world for sure. Like I've I listen to podcasts pretty frequently. You know, I just spent two months commuting to work, like adding a fucking extra three hours. That's what does it. Day. Honestly, that's what yeah. did it for me. I would say I worked I worked a job at machines where I was allowed headphones. Mm. That was like number one. And then commuting from like Nepa to fucking Philly, like three hours every goddamn week. Like that solidified it. So it was yeah. in the car and at work, I'd be listening to podcasts, and I, and I really only tapped into it after listening to like all of my favorite books on tape. I listened to like all of like the eighty Stephen King <laughs> books like yeah. that were out at the time, and yeah. I was like, I have to listen to something else. <laughs> and so that's when I got into podcasts, and I actually got in through like true crime, mm. um, horror, and storytelling, and. Uh, you know, like the the ones I talk about the most are are probably um, last podcast on the left mm. or um, <laughs> what's more. Lore mm. is a really good one um, where they just talk about uh, real life um, strange occurrences and and yeah. th- things that you things that may have been. Uh, miscalculated in their translation to like present day like something that happened mm. 60 years ago that was told way differently than how it actually happened yeah. so like the the idea of lore like going back into history and kind of uncovering different aspects of it and most of it is about like creepy shit like um family curses lobotomies you know xyz mm. and um so i started getting into podcasts that way and it was listening to last podcast on the left do their creepy pasta episodes, which are only like eight of their like three hundred or four hundred episodes of that show that there are. We're approaching two hundred ourselves. Yeah. Um, I would say this is our fourth year. We are right around the four year anniversary of doing this show. And um, it was just an offshoot idea I had with a couple of friends because I told myself, like, we all have fun personalities. We all, you know, also like to have fun. Right. And I think most of us are good public speakers and I think most of us are are legible. So it's like, oh, I don't know. Can we... um, can we hold people's attention for at least like an hour? Yeah. And then it became, can we hold people's attentions for two hours? And that's kind of where we've, where we've stayed because people tend to like to listen to, I would say somewhere from like an hour to an hour and a half. Yeah. So, and that's what my commute was. And, and the concept is dope. Like I really haven't, I mean, I don't have too much experience with podcasting, but I really haven't experienced anything similar before and I've always actually like wanted to be on one and have that sort of you've told me your own ideas and what and what you wanted to like venture into and I absolutely know that there's like a market for it because you know podcasting is so I would say simple to do if you have the technical know-how and the drive yeah uh, to do it because I would say if this is going to be like an, an hour to two hour episode you know like I'm going to have to listen to this maybe two more times before it goes into, like, 
goes onto the website, you right. know, like right. before it enters the digital stratosphere. So that this is essentially like a six hour exercise at the end of the yeah. day. And the longer the episode, the longer the exercise. So like I have had some three hour episodes before where we just talk extra about whatever we were just mm-hmm. reading or, or discussing. There have been episodes where we don't even read stories, but we read like historical happenstance hmm. or conspiracy theories. Totally. Um, but yeah, I think uh, for, for someone who is new to what we're doing here today or even, you know, you had mentioned that you had listened to a couple episodes yeah. and we'll definitely get into um, why you knew about it. <laughs> but um, you would you would say that the show is kind of like, um, I don't know, like a storytelling, like jokey type of podcast I don't. I don't necessarily know how serious you interpret us, because mm. um, I would say we have some episodes where some people just play it <laughs> as real as possible, and then we have some episodes where people yeah. are just off the fucking rails. I mean, knowing the the knowing the characters, and by characters I mean idiots <laughs> that you have on here <laughs> that are our mutual friends, and yeah. that I, you know, post high school, post college, hang out with on the reg. Um, I don't take it very seriously. <laughs> so, um, but it's dope, you know, and like I, I was really wanting to be on here, and uh, obviously, you know, I was do we, Yeah, do we yeah. want to get the elephant out of the room? I think we so, do. I think we do. So, Lanky Lucifer, who who has done, I believe, two episodes on the show before he like jumped ship to the other side of the fucking hey, country. Um, they. So, let let me like first say your name. For, for, like, oh my god! Yeah, we've gone the show. this long and not mention it. DSL Daisy, <laughs> DSL Daisy, first episode, and she was originally gonna hop on. I would say a month or two ago. Um, no, at this point, it's it's more than like eight months. Oh ago. my god! Yeah, and if you don't um, know what DSL means, we can't help you. Yeah, no, don't. <laughs> Definitely don't Google it, and definitely think it stands for gasoline. Yeah. So, when it when it comes to Lanky Lucifer, you you guys had been uh, yeah a couple a couple yeah. at one point. Yeah. So we'd been friends, you know, after graduation. He was in like that one guy. year of the musical. <laughs> He's a friendly guy. <laughs> Where I just like to like jump on his back and force him to give me piggyback rides for like rehearsals. Oh yeah. Um and. Motherfucker still can't sing. Yeah. And last year I went through some bullshit and I moved home for the first time in like eight years of living independently and, you know, started reconnecting with people in the area from high school and all that. And then, you know, (laughs) I had a band gig and... Uh, Lanky Lucifer and a couple of the others Pudlums. Mm-hmm. Deputy. Yeah. Deputy. Deputy Dewey, Lanky Lucifer, and a couple other homies came to the gig, and, like, Lanky Lucifer was looking at me while I was performing like I've never been looked at in my life, and I was like, uh, okay, I might need to reevaluate this friendship. <laughs> you were taking that for all it was mm. worth. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so then that was kind of the beginning of that, and... If this was, like, an animated show, I'd, I'd zoom into the haze to kind of cross-eyed <laughs> way that I made his character look. 
<laughs> totally, totally the just little floating, floating fog. I so I, I make him look like such a fucking idiot, but that's just because that's that's how we talk about him to his face. Yeah, and he's on it like in reality, he's like one of the smartest. He's people a genius. I know. <laughs> he's a fucking genius. The dude the dude works with like fucking Tesla. <laughs> like, yeah. He yeah, he's outrageous. He, he's crazy. So he is like book smart. But mm. he is common sense retarded. <laughs> and no yeah. social consciousness, like no social awareness. Like I think he like addressed like gays to my cousin's lesbian best friend at one of my band gigs. And I was like, I cannot fucking leave you alone with people. Like I need to supervise all conversation. So yes. um so anyway, we you know, dated for a couple months and then I it wasn't that you know, it wasn't that feelings weren't growing. It was more just like my fondness for you as a person was growing more than anything in like the romantic intimate capacity. And sure. I was like, I was like, I'm gonna have to call this. <laughs> but, uh, but he's literally the only person that I've dated that I'm genuinely still friends with. <laughs> That's, All the other ones are just a piece a of fine, shit. So. That's a really fine line in maturity, though, because I, I used to believe that you can't be friends with people yeah. you've dated, and I am absolutely incorrect in that regard. I'm just a spiteful cunt, so <laughs> so I just tend to Well, and you know, it, it is a fine line, because, you know, on nights when we all get together, and we get drunk off our asses, and I want to jump his bones, it's fine, but, you know, try not to do that, and cross that line, and it's all yeah. good. <laughs> no, he's he's definitely told me about that, and I think it's just because um, you have to know that when you guys split up, he, he turned around and he invited me to Sofa King's <laughs> wedding. Oh my god. Did you know that? No. Oh my god, and it was like, we broke up like a week before it happened, yes. too. So I was really fucking in with that situation. My bad. So you guys, no, I I, I, I had so much fun at the wedding. <laughs> so I you had, were, you were filling DS oh, Lazy. Oh, I was... I was Lucky Lucifer's date. We all made it very evident. We up. all made it very evident. And um he was just like Did you guys like match? By the way, I got a I got a hotel room. <laughs> and then he'll like wink at me and I'll just be like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and no, 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 no. We you didn't, guys didn't wear like matching we didn't match formal apparel. All. Mm, no, no. I went bummer. I went in like a suit and he went in like a uh just just a button up shirt, <laughs> you know. Um yeah. I mean, might as well address the original, like, I was supposed to come on here with Lanky Lucifer, and we were going to oh, make yeah. a huge deal, yeah. and, you know, might as well address the elephant in the room. It's not like, it's not like we hate each other. It's no. It's not like we're not still and, friends. And yeah. the only reason he isn't here is because he's in California. Yeah, exactly. So, like, even though you guys aren't together, you guys were still going to be, like, an episode together. It's just mm-hmm. now, now with him fucking across the goddamn planet... <laughs> That he, like, randomly, like, sprung on me one day. He was just like, by the way, this is happening. And I was just like, oh, fuck. Like, I need to get you on a second episode before you leave. And he's he's a fucking sweetheart. And, like, if you... If he's doing something stupid that he's honestly just being, like, ignorant (laughs) about. Or, like, he has literally no idea that it's... Not okay. Ig- ignorant is a good word. Yeah. It's a very good word yeah. for him. And you call him out on his shit, like, he'll be like, oh shit, like, I didn't realize that, I'm sorry, blah blah blah, and then, you know, 
the fact that like I pride myself on being like very self aware and very socially conscious and like Lucifer is not those He's things not at, all. at all. It's like, uh, yeah, I can't do this relationship. <laughs> he he really like if he ever comes back in town, like we really still should do an episode yeah, together 100%. because I just think it would be so funny. Um, he he's one of my favorite uh like people to to be around, and I don't and I'm like never around him. And that was just yeah. like that was something that I I remember picking up while we were doing the um there was a show that he Punxsutawney and uh, Deputy Dewey and I would do and and I just. I now fondly miss those those times because we just we all vibed so good together <laughs> and it was just always such a good time between the four of us so like honestly like good dude good yeah. good times glad yeah. glad that you guys are still like friends <laughs> and glad that you know uh he can still get some whatever he wanted yeah and good, I really for you, I really value I really value that <laughs> fact because um you know Lanky Lucifer is like the first genuinely good human that I've been in a relationship. And I with. think you were like his first girlfriend ever. Yeah. So like you're allowed so to like, say that. So like so the the dudes before him were like just pieces of shit. Like they were just like mildly abusive or like genuinely abusive and that was just like that was the undercover type that I was attracted to up yeah. until Lanky Lucifer so it was like you know, I could. There's no fucking way in hell. He that does I would aspire still be to some him. of those tropes, though. <laughs> he can't he do it, though. He can't do it. No, he doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't have it in him. He doesn't have it in him. It's not genuine. It's an act. It's a yeah. ruse. Yeah. So, so to to maintain, you know, a friendship, and I thought that if it didn't work out and that we had to go back to being friends afterwards, that it would be different in a negative way but it's actually I don't think so he knows much... how to, I don't think he knows how to act differently so I think he just Well maintains. that that is also like it's also different in such like a healthy way cuz we like know each other in that capacity now you know and we like know each other on a different level and that makes for like a much better friendship it's more honest, mm-hmm. more sincere. So, so that's you know that's that's the context of DSL Daisy. You know, we we originally wanted <laughs> to do an episode with Lanky Lucifer, but his ass is uh, smoking grass over in California. Mm. The lucky cuck. So uh, that's he's that's, also burning to death right now. To be honest, that's, that's a good that's a good point. <laughs> There's a lot of smoke. There's a lot of smoke and not all of it's good. So he he's over there in California. And the one reason I did want to talk about it, and it's just because it's something I very like vaguely mentioned on the show before, is just like I I have before tried bringing like a someone I was dating like onto the show and I and I couldn't commit wholeheartedly to it. And then we ended up breaking up, like, somewhere within the next, like, 30 episodes together. You know, like, 30 weeks. Yeah. And I remember being, like, so fucking thankful that, like, I have platonic friend women that I could bring on to this show. Exactly. And not have to worry about them turning around and being, like, someone else the next day. <laughs> so, yeah. So I can never have them on the show exactly. ever again. Exactly. And, and that's just, like, when... When you have that type of, like, relationship with someone, I I very much had a similar relationship the way you did with Lanky with someone in my life. And, I, and they've listened to the show, and they've given me feedback, and they've talked about how much they've liked it. And it's just like, 
I wish that the world was more forgiving and I wish that people were more understanding and I wish that more relationships did end in friendship and, and yeah. you know, sincerity. Yeah. But like for me they don't. <laughs> yeah. So like for for me it's like the only the only women that are appearing on this show are women that I've always like respected and been friends with and that's just like that's where that line ends. Right. And I I need to continue to remind myself that I will never have a girlfriend on this show. <laughs> I need to continually say cuz I'm seeing someone right now who listens to my show and very much likes it, and she continually says stuff along the lines of, I want to come on the show, and I need her to know in the (laughs) nicest way possible that I cannot have you on my show. And girl, I am sorry, but if he's not reminding himself, we all will. (laughs) And I just know that it's something I would regret. I have friends who have been on this show who I would say over the course of recording this show, we have gone from great friends to not great friends. And it's just like people, people continually change. We all have different lives. We all have different trajectories. I, I no longer, I would say, harbor any like ill will for any of these people. It's just our lives have brought us in different directions. So, you know, I'm always having more people on the show and I'm... I'm trying to hold on to, like, as much positive as possible. So, like, I think you are a welcome fucking addition. Thanks, And literally, like, if you enjoy what we do here today, like, I can see you doing, like, a ton of more episodes and and also being open to, like, be on episodes with other people. Yeah, And I think, like, that's, that's ultimately what I am looking for. I would say enthusiasm and uh eccentricities yeah. and just enjoyment of of the overall product and ultimately i've been through enough experiences of these guys like shitting on me in mm. normal social context that's a good point i am not gonna mind it on the fucking air but we all shit on each other <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's, that's just sure. our relationships sure. with one another well um, and i feel like the longer the relationship and like the more intense the worse it fucking is afterwards to try to salvage anything. And, like, me and, like, Lucifer dated for, like, three or four months or some shit. <laughs> yeah. So it was, like, so it was long enough. And I've enough. known you for, like, 12 years. Yeah. So, so it was long Probably enough. more. It was long enough to, like, know each other like that and enjoy it and, like, learn shit. But it wasn't long enough to, like, have any kind of, like, severe True anger or pain. Yeah. So it was good. No, that's awesome. The end. And I and I'm and I'm I'm happy for everyone there and involved. Yeah. Um, When it comes to um, the show, you had listened to his episodes, or you had listened to one of his episodes, or just is that how you got integrated? Well, no, no. While we were dating, he was like, I was like, "What are you doing today?" He was like, "I'm gonna go record Captain's podcast," and I was like, "What?" I was like, "Wait, Captain has a podcast," and he was like, "Yeah." And then he sent me the link, and I was like, shut the fuck up. I was like, I'm listening to this constantly now. <laughs> so I think it was like, I think it was like that following weekend that I had to drive up to see my brother in Massachusetts, which is like a four and a half, five hour drive. And, uh, you know, I just listened to it, like, the whole way there. And it was so enjoyable. And it was, like, nighttime, and I was on some fucking crazy back roads. So I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna die here! And it was... I forget what the first story was that I listened to, but after that, and and loving that it's, like, you know, pseudonym-based, and that I know the people in this circle just makes it all the more special and 
And that's that's the funny thing that I think I'm told by people who don't know us. Mm. You know, like just just average listeners who who just accept the pseudonyms for what the people are. Yeah. Which I think are pretty good ideas of those people. None of us none of us really put on like an act or like a performance, you know. I would say that most of the parts are played with relative um honesty. Like mm-hmm. it's just the names that are lies. <laughs> like yeah. that's really it. It's just a face value <laughs> lie. And you know, that's just because I want people to feel free. I don't want people to feel judged. And I don't want any of what we say or do to come back on our real lives yeah. or, you know, what, what we have going for us. Because I have I have people who are parents. I have people who I work with. I have people in my industry. <laughs> people who are parents. You know, people I'm related <laughs> to. Like, we don't need any of this shit coming back negatively. Yeah. If you find that funny, listen to Scutch's episodes. He tells terrifying stories about his kids. Oh. Terrifying... <laughs> His his daughter recently cut her hand on something, and then instead of, like, screaming or yelling, she proceeded to draw on the wall in blood. Stop and, it. And he told me this story, and I said, was it in Latin? Did you get the child baptized <laughs> afterwards? Did you have an exorcist come to the house to ward it? Like, dude, you so, need to give up that child for adoption, like, yesterday. Yeah, quite honestly, the perfect person to be on the show for, like, real life <laughs> Horror story. He is uh, one of the friends I made when I moved to to northeastern PA, and uh, he's like a good I, I would say like six or seven years older than me, and he he has just some funny fucking stories. And naturally, being a parent, that's an entirely different perspective that we hadn't had on the show. And and he and I love Stephen King, and he'll tell me stories about how how scary fucking kids are, <laughs> and I'll just laugh at him yeah. because I don't find kids terrifying at all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he'll be like, oh, that'll change when you have kids. Like, you'll understand. So I can have jokes on you. I'm not having fucking kids. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, I'm, I'm getting away from You getting us. your tubes tied? I'm getting, I don't know. About, <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But what I will say is, um, you know, each, each person brings something different to the show. And I think like... No matter if you really even hate horror, I would say some of these stories don't, some of these stories don't even go in like a horrifying direction. Like some of these stories are just dumb. <laughs> like, yeah. like you know, they're they're written by people on the internet. I grab them for one reason or another. It's never a solid, you know, alibi. Like I was, I don't know. I liked the title. <laughs> like yeah. you know, the title just gripped me, so I downloaded the entire story. Like, <laughs> like then there are times where like people have been like, oh no, this is one of the best stories on the internet. Like, like a fan will be like, you need to fucking read this. Mm. And, and they'll push it forward. Mm. And that's how I'll hear about it. And then I'll, you know, we'll record a fucking like seven part series because it's a 200 page story. Yeah. Yeah. You know, stuff like that has happened. So, you know, what we're going to do here today is something that we used to do with, with intros. I would say we would go one of like in two directions. I would either have like Sofa King's re- recent episode, like a charcuterie plate of <laughs> stories, and we would dive into different themes and, and yeah. you know, structures. Um, but what we're going to do today, what I actually told you about, was the other way to bring someone into the to the show, and it's by reading one long story and being a little bit more overly critical about the, the overarching narrative. Totally. And um, the, the story that I got is because I know you have a brother, and I know your brother, <laughs> and the idea of uh, you almost being the narrator of this story is uh, the title, which I grabbed this story from No Sleep, um, is called My Brother Died When I Was a Child. 
he kept talking. I think people should know what he said. And Whew. and one part of that goes into sixth sense, like really fucking creepy kid, I yeah. see dead people bullshit. And then the other side goes into like poltergeist hokey, like they're here. And like, huh. I want to see where on the spectrum this lands between like bullshit to like, I'm terrified. Yeah. Um, title definitely intrigued me as well. I was going to say, just... what does the title make you think of? Like what, where do you go when you read my brother died when I was a child? He kept talking. I think people should know what he said. Um, I wonder if it's even some kind of like unresolved, issues with their brother that maybe they're he's not talking to them and they're they're just hearing him like internally could be that could be oh this could be psychological yeah yeah this could be psychological i i tend to go towards supernatural um yeah for sure that's just my my gut reaction most of the time with most stories um one of our most popular and longest series is actually based off of a story that has like a non-fictional twist. There's mm. nothing spooky going on at all. Hmm. It's it's real life shit that's just terrifying. Yeah. I would actually say two of like our best stories on the show um have that twist where it's it's not something supernatural. It's a very real threat. You know, it's a very human threat mm. and it's just like a terrifying, you know, situation. Well, and in having this exact conversation, I just remembered what the first story of Lots of Pasta that I listened to was. What was it? On the way up to see my bro. It was, and I can't remember the name, but it was the Sorry. one about the creepy, like. <laughs> Okay, this is what I thought of sure. when I heard this story. You know, those, like, uh, bendy little little toys that you get at, like... I don't know, you get it in, like, a fucking Happy Meal. Uh-huh. Or, like... Yeah, and they're just, like, a solid color, and they have little eyes on them, and you just bend them back and forth. I thought of that when I heard the story about the, like, rapist little thing that comes to your door and is, like... It was like their dad was like, oh, shit, this thing was in my childhood. And it came to their door and then it like spent their whole childhood with them and it like ate their family dinners with them. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm I'm stuck between like two two different ideas and I and I can't nail down which one I'm thinking about just yet. I think when I came to you about the podcast originally, I told you which one it was, but I don't remember. And it was like, then at the end, it just left them and like went on to its next like family to torture or something. But it like raped the daughter, like alone in a room. Oh, fuck. Was that the episode with, um, with Where Am I and Tom Bombadil? Yes! It was Tommy Taffy. Yes! It was Tommy Taffy. It Ta- was. See, in my head, I was like, was that Dad Spaghetti? Um, because that's that's about an alien dad. Sounds relevant, also. That one's about an alien dad who infiltrates a family and, like, beats the wife, and the kids have to run away in the middle of the night, like, to get away from the alien dad, you know? Like, okay. they find out about, like, a strange rock that, like, you know... Hmm. 
that landed in like a nearby town and like people are starting to get like quote unquote sick and their dad like comes home sick one day quote unquote mm. but he starts acting weird and it's like very clear similar, that an alien similar. had taken over yeah but this body. was this was Tommy Taffy but this was Tommy sure. Taffy this yeah. is so this is um that, that story sh- that creeped the shit out of me to begin with but I, I couldn't stop thinking about those little Tommy bendy Taffy. toys that you like can whip at people and they're like well they said he had a very like plasticky skin yeah and and the idea of his name being Taffy is just like is like oh there's just something like otherworldly about him yeah and it's very terrifying I remember when I found the art for it it's a um the art for that episode is very funny because it's uh it looks like a um a life size like Ken doll yeah. <laughs> And it, it's very menacing in, in under the right circumstances. Yeah. So Tommy Taffy, um, that's a story called Third Parent that people oh, can read oof. on on No Sleep. Um, and and just being that like I'm like freakishly close with my parents for yeah. like a late twenty something person who lives independently like. Imagine I'm a plastic uncle parents. showing yeah, up for sure, and and raping both of your parents, and then trying to teach you what sex feels like. Ugh, for fuck's sake, <laughs> lost my shit, yo! I would not even be here to record this podcast. That's hilarious. So that that was uh that was one one of our post hundred episodes, so and we, I think it was a longer one. So it, it, it like got me through most of my. It was trip the entire episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's a two-hour episode right there, easily. Um, that's kind of what we're doing here today. Um, well, and, very, like, there was a lot of family no notions involved in that. Oh, yeah. And so with this one, like, Because it was, it was a mom and dad, and then the kid always talked about his grandpa. Mm. And then he had a younger sister. Yeah. And it was a it was a young boy. I think he was, like, ten, and his sister was, like, six. Mm. And then the family was... Um, a really outspoken, strong mother and, like, a really weak and, like, fragile father. And it's because both of them had experienced Tommy Taffy when they were kids. Yeah. And he was, like, a walking nightmare to them. So, like... Totally. And I recently <sighs> recently experienced Fat Camp, so that was rad. Fat Camp! <laughs> that, that, one, was that one was Also was with good Where one. Am I. You've, you've listened to Where Am I episodes. That's yeah, pre- that's I don't good. know. I don't know. His I don't... earlier ones are killer. If you if you go back into his playlist and you click on any episode pre 100, you will be happy to have listened to it mm. because one of them is about a haunted roller coaster. Ooh, one of I'm them a is big fan of that. one of them is about um, kids in the woods and the, the fun fact they're not kids; they're things that look like kids and Oof. it's very terrifying. Um, one of them is about a devil um, that gets sent to jail, <laughs> um, but it, but it's really creepy. Um, yeah, I'm like a I'm like a nerd for uh, theme parks and roller coasters, so I think I'd be Mayhem particularly Mountain. interested. in Mayhem that Mountain is such a good fucking story, yeah. and I read that with where am I? I think that's his first episode, actually. Yeah, I'm still this working on like my list of top ten. I'm 40, still listening. Forty three, I think it is. Yeah. Um, I don't even think this will make my top ten. I haven't even had this story <laughs> yet, and it's just because I'm on it. <laughs> so you know, that's that's the funny thing is like you know when it comes to asking people how they found out about the show or their experience on the show like 
not many people who are on the show actually listen to the show. So whenever I do have someone who listens to the show, I tend to go like, oh, well, like, how do you feel about it? Because yeah. no one else who's fucking on it yeah. wants to talk about the show. No, but me. like, I live for fucking Halloween. Like, one of the th- bullshits that I went through last year was I broke off my engagement and my wedding was supposed to be in October. So I naturally dressed up as a vampire bride and I like bought this gown off of eBay and like trashed it in my parents' backyard and then like did a photo shoot with like the contacts and the fangs. That's fucking awesome. And it was like it was like Halloween is my favorite holiday for sure. Like it kicks Christmas's ass for me. So For real. Yep. When it comes to, like, recording and, you know, people's experience on the show, I tend to liken it to um, the old Nickelodeon show, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Oh, my where, God. Where we're just, you know, here we are around our campfire, our digital <laughs> campfire, and, you know, we are presenting each other with spooky tales yeah. to kind of, you know, entice the evening. What's and, the largest number of guests you've had on this? We've done four part. Um, we've okay. we've had four people, and and Lanky was on one of them with Punks and Deputy. Hmm. Um, I've done my brothers and Frowns on an episode. The the one I just did in Florida, the two parter that preceded this is um, me Punks Frowns and Where Am I on one episode together. Totally. And uh, or two episodes together, and um, that's the furthest we've ever gone. But we are going to start reading. My brother died when I was a child. He kept talking. I think people should know what he said. And this is from Reddit No Sleep. We'd all known Dennis had less than a week, and we'd all braced ourselves for all the good that would do. This was going to tear us apart and leave a ragged, gaping hole in all of our lives. But that would be it. It would fit within our understanding of things, and we could all assume he went wherever we thought people would go. That would have been so much easier, so much less troubling than what actually happened. Dennis had been diagnosed with cancer a couple of days after his 10th birthday, Oof. and it was all downhill from there. There was never an upswing, never an opportunity for surgery. All the scans showed the same thing, the oily black webs having grown larger and denser. The fact that we were twins and had looked identical right up to when he started chemo just made it worse. There was right beside him a perfect image of what he used to be before his hair fell out and his color drained and his cheeks sunk down to his skull. An emaciated ghost constantly contrasted with what he should be. That's nightmarish. <laughs> yeah, oh are my you okay? God. You, it's, it's like I already like want to cry. I'm just I like know, right? I'm like so so you're telling me, you know, these these were identical twins that grew up together and the one of them is just dying in front of the other like how surreal must it be to like be able to see your own death oh my god i didn't even think about it that way well that, i was because like it, it looks like you yes and i was i was thinking like you know how twins <laughs> you know how twins sometimes have like the same dream or oh, something shit. Like, yeah. don't even get me started yeah, like what whole, if you're like, like one of them has a heart attack in california and the one in france fucking feels it yeah you know, exactly like, like now this one's dying of cancer like what the fuck is that like jesus that's scary And then finally, the doctor shut the case, snuffed out the last whips of hope. Dennis will most likely not last more than four days, a week at most. 
So we'd all set up camp in his musty room at the hospital. The walls were freckled and pea green. The only light slanted in from between the shutters, glaring bars stretched out across the floor to end just short of Dennis's bed. The staff managed to bring in another, simpler bed for me, and my parents slept in old wicker chairs. Dennis looked really bad at this stage. You could as good as see his skull. We all wanted to talk to him to make the most of whatever time was left, but he slept for most of the day, and when he woke up, there would just be silence. Jesus Christ. Nobody knew what to say. There were no right words, and there was this underlying fear that the moment anybody interacted with the situation, they'd somehow make it real, and it would hit everyone. The first sound would knock us all off the tightrope, and we'd fall into tears and chaos, and we wouldn't be able to pull ourselves back up. So there was silence, my parents occasionally forcing smiles that never made it to their eyes. The third day was when it finally happened, when the steady beeping of the heart monitor started to break down into frantic electronic wails, and Dennis began to shake feebly as a dry, crackling sound rose up from his mouth. My parents exploded out of their chairs. My mother headed straight to Dennis, grabbing his shoulders and pleading at him to stop it and be alright. My father was at the room door, screaming down the hallways for help. The doctors and nurses at the hospital had changed lately. They'd started treating Dennis differently. Before the resuscitations were always these frantic, desperate efforts, like hundred-meter sprints. There was a desperate desire to succeed in every single movement. Now it was different, more like a steady jog. There were people who were going through the motions, ticking off things they were meant to try from little checklists in their minds. I don't think I, w- I don't think it would have made a difference either way. The cancer had finally tipped over and his system just couldn't shoulder it anymore. They called it and left, offering their condolences and saying they'd take away the body when we were ready. The door clicked shut behind us. Me, mom, dad, and Dennis's corpse. Jesus fucking Christ. What a, sto- what a story. This is a to just- different kind of horror. So this is like the first fucking page and we're already into that real shit that I was talking about. I, I hope we take a, a supernatural left twist because I can't handle this like bleak modernity <laughs> that we're fucking finding ourselves in. I know. And uh, ironically, when I was like eight years old, my dad lost his mom, dad, and baby sister and only sister two cancer three different types of cancer all within the same year like to the day almost three months apart that's each. so unfair and it was like <laughs> my dad like my dad and his two brothers like lost half their family in 365 days oh, no. from different events and it was like there was no car crash that like killed them all instantly that's, like it was just he's the he's the like point zero percent of all estimated probabilities like i that, know that is terrifying. I know, and it was, it was when like when people say it could happen, like he's the it could happen. Yeah, like it happened. Yeah, it was it was breast cancer, colon cancer, and ovarian cancer. Jesus. And his sister was thirty six years old. That's some real life horror. I know, <laughs> like this. Jesus Christ. <laughs> we all inched closer up to the side of his bed and just looked. My mother cracked breaking into great howling tears. My father pulled her close, trying to keep it together, but losing it in his own way. No sobs from him, just the occasional tear running down his face and sharp breaths bursting through his clenched teeth. I was just quietly staring at Dennis's face. We all stood there for a long time. I finally realized that this wasn't just one thing. This wasn't a single event. For the first time, my mind started running away with itself and unfolding all the endless implications of this, every one of them causing my gut to sink and for me to miss him so much even though he'd just been here. 
I was never going to talk to him again. He was never going to laugh at me. We were never eating dinner again. We were never going to school together again. We were never going to be in the same class in school again or talk during classes at school again. It just kept going and going as I realized that this wasn't just one person I'd lost. I'd lost a million things. Something that was meant to be this constant presence was gone and nothing ever would be as good as it should be again. Everything I was going to do would be soured by the, by the certainty that I wouldn't be doing it with him or that I wouldn't be able to tell him about it later. It had only ever been a childish assumption that any of that would happen. Um, I literally said those words when I died. Oh my god. I yeah. literally said, like, I'm never gonna be able to tell him about anything in my life that... That kid was like... And I don't little... know if we need to create a pseudonym for but... No, I've, we've talked about it on the show before, because okay. cause Ankenstein's first episode was, like, post, post, uh, you know. Yeah. And, and I think, I think, like, it's one of those things where, like, and I had just started reconnecting, because I had just moved back to the area, and, like, throughout high school, he was, like, a little brother to me. Yeah. And, like, that, that kicked me. That kicked me so fucking hard. I did not handle that very well at all. Yeah. And I know a lot of people who didn't. Um, and, you know, it's it's one of those things where, like, I hate that the two people I've cared about the most in my life uh, that, that I've lost um, are people that I, I could have seen on this show. Like, mm. I, wish, I wish I had an episode to go back and listen to. Of oh, my some, God, of, right? Could you imagine he would have been... Could you imagine uh, a fucking episode with? Uh, take me back. And to we that. and we had gotten we had gotten so close around the time college had started. So I would say maybe a rough roughly like five or so years later, he totally would have been on this show. Yeah. And I they could, both would have been. And amazing. I could see. And I could. And I had done videos with in fucking high school. So yeah. it's like, it's like. I'm glad I have that video to go back and watch, and I'm glad there are other videos online of him, you know, and, and when I'm missing him, there's still something there, but, like, they sh they could have been on this fucking show, I, know, you know? I need to find Cause those, because I don't have a lot of video. Had that, that thing that was just so funny about, about people, um... You know, so so it's. I love. I was already gonna say that I love how this person writes, because mm. this person writes with sincerity. Yeah. So this is one of those no sleep stories that's gonna try to be as as real as it can be, because it's immediately grounding itself, much like a a movie like Hereditary. Uh, you know, uh, much like a movie like I don't know, like a like an M Night Shyamalan flick. Like it is grounding itself in trauma. Yeah. It's a little weird because the story is, like, in my voice. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm into creative writing, and, like, I have thought about, like, writing novels before. Oh, yeah. And if I was writing about my personal experiences, like, this is exactly how I would write. I have over 600 pages of things I've written just, like, on my computer. And I, I, I don't share it with everyone, but, like, yeah. there are things that I do share that... That you know, like I've gotten feedback on, and, yeah. and things that I'm actively trying to develop. So weird. If you if you like the idea of what we're doing here, and I know I I, I talked about it earlier in the in the episode um, where I was talking about stories that are grounded in like real life shit. Um, the episodes are Django. It, it's a story called Baraska. Hmm. I believe it's seven episodes of me and Django getting through this this really terrible life for this kid 
And um, the other one is a one episode with Frowns called Pen Pal. And Pen Pal is one of the most important fucking no-sleep stories, like, of all time. Hmm. Um, and it's just it, it's just haunting. And I know that while reading Pen Pal, I was reminded of, like, my relationship with, like, people. And yeah. It's some of that some of that shit just you know it sticks with you specifically when it talks about losing like your best friend or losing like your brother like holy shit (laughs) so yeah um this this is where this next line is where I hope we change gears yeah I might actually not sleep tonight after this. (laughs) No sleep. Based on all the personal relations and fuck. Bring up uh, JPEG of Jeff the Killer. Go to sleep! (laughs) (laughs) Everything I was going to do would be soured by the certainty that I wouldn't be doing it with him or that I wouldn't be able to tell him about it later. It had only ever been a childish assumption that any of that would happen. I was the first to see his lips quiver. Mom, Dad, his lips are moving. My parents froze, still clasped against each other. My mother curled over and my supported by my father. We looked down as his lips continued to quiver. My parents went quiet again. They must have been trying to hold back hope, assuming it was some kind of nervous tick. But it kept going, and finally, in a dusty, hoarse voice, so faint it was like you were hearing it on the wind, he said my name. Harry. You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. No, I had that's, to. that's on point. My father sprinted across the room, yelling for nurses to come back. My mother was clutching her mouth and stumbling back from the bed. The workers tumbled back in and went through the checklist and shocked him with the defibrillators a few times and reached their verdict. (laughs) We're sorry, he's still dead. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. That's gotta be the fucking worst. Like, they defibrillated him again. Is that all right? We'll toast him one more time to see if he comes back. Sir, how do you like, you like your kid well done? I like how he did it in, like, a Boston accent. Hey, we're sorry. He's still dead. <laughs> but I heard him talk, said my father in a small, pleading voice. Look, it could have been gas escaping. <laughs> but, said my father, before a tiny, scraping sound cut through the room, everyone turning towards his source. It was coming from Dennis, halfway between a sigh and a croak. Harry, it's all so dark, so cold, so dark, and it's pulling down, pulling at my insides and taking me down. Jesus Christ. A moment later, nurses started on their rounds again, but this wasn't some perfunctory run through the checklist. You could see it on their faces in how hurried their movements were. They didn't know what was happening. They weren't even sure they were doing the right thing. They moved on to the defibrillator again, sending crashing <laughs> waves of power through Dennis's chest before listening through Harry, with that fucking tickles. <laughs> <laughs> with the stethoscope. Doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, one was mumbling. After ten minutes, they all just stepped back. They'd run the checklist out and nothing had happened. This is like reality breaking for some people. Could yeah. you imagine someone being dead but not being dead and like having your entire idea of like science thrown out the window completely? This is about to get really fucking good. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> We're like, because we are all like, what the fuck is happening? Which is what his mother screams next. <laughs> What's happening? My mother screamed. One of the men, a doctor, I think, answered. Nothing is happening. We try and pump in oxygen, and it does nothing. There's no pulse, and we can't induce one for more than a second or two. The body's temperature is down three degrees. He's deceased. (laughs) But we heard him, I said. I know, but he's dead. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The dry grating came again, and everyone shut up. Please, Harry, where are you? 
I walked over to his side. I wasn't relieved he was talking. I was only afraid. This was wrong, and I wanted to run. I wanted him to just be gone so I could cry with my parents and be done with it. But I kept walking <laughs> and put my hand on his, his bony, cold, and clearly dead hand. I'm here, I said. I can see gray. A little bit of gray, but it's so far away. I don't just see it. I feel it. I feel it, and I never knew something could be so far away. I'm already so far down, but I need to just go further to get to the gray. I didn't know how to respond, so I just stood there. Stood there and listened to him talk about the darkness and the distant gray smudge. Sometimes he'd answer me, sometimes he wouldn't. A lot of stuff happened around me in the next few hours. Everyone who worked at the hospital must have been in and out. Even my parents started to leave sometimes when they accepted I was the only one Dennis seemed to be aware of. Dennis was looked at by every type of doctor they had in there, and nobody understood. They started moving him around on a stretcher, taking him to the equipment they couldn't just bring to him. I had to come along, and I was the only one who could keep him talking. Jesus Christ. That's oh so much for This is such a twin carry. thing. This is such a twin it, it, thing. It actually, yeah. Yeah, it's... Yeah, and could you imagine, like, you're the... Like, why are you this one person? As a parent, though, I would still be glued to this fucking situation. Exactly. I definitely wouldn't have like, the balls Like, I can't believe his parents, leave. like, left the room. Yeah, yeah, like, I wouldn't I wouldn't have the balls to leave. Like, even if he's gonna be gone in, like, 20 seconds, like, you want to hear... Like, what you want to know what his last I'm, words were. And, and I'm actually under the impression that his 20 seconds are gone. Like, what's happening now is something that's never happened before yeah. in the history of humanity to a point where it's been recorded or, or seen by this many people. Right. You know, like, like this is, this is like a discovery. <laughs> like, yeah. this is some crazy shit. It was a long time before anything was turned up. They'd gotten desperate and had put Dennis in an fMRI machine. <laughs> They'd fully prepped a corpse and put it in a machine for the living. My entire family was in the room. A cold, confused fear had settled in my gut, making me feel a little bit like throwing up. I, I think we've got something, said the technician who was looking at the monitors. Please just tell us what's happening, said my mother. She'd moved past terror and hope and was now, above all else, exhausted, her red face slack and empty. Look, this scan looks for where the blood is in the brain. Well, the thing is that none of the blood in the brain is moving. We know that from his pulse, but something is happening in there. Something the machine can only pick up a little, but there is some kind of activity. Now I can't be sure, but I think the activity is clustered around some, some of the parts that control movement. Everything else is totally dead. He's obviously conscious. He's using complete sentences, but but what? My father said. But it's like whatever's doing the thinking is somewhere else, still interacting with the stuff that does the talking. Jesus. Help. His soul is experiencing something that his body cannot relay properly, and that is terrifying. <laughs> terrifying, terrifying, terrifying. <laughs> nightmare, nightmare, nightmare. <laughs> That's exactly right, came a voice behind us. I looked over my shoulder and saw an old man in a gray business That's suit. That's exactly oh, right. Oh, fucking great. Now <laughs> this guy. I am here just in time to tell you of the dead people. It's, it's Jesus. It's <laughs> the Lord. That's exactly right. 
That's exactly right, came a voice behind us. I looked over my shoulder and saw an old man in a gray business suit. He had a well-trimmed silver beard and was all around a strange contrast to the clumsy chaos that had engulfed the hospital. Can I read this guy? (laughs) Okay, keep going. I'm going to try to pick up on what lines are his. Who are you, said the technician. I'm Daniel Cone. He said. (laughs) Ice cream cone king of (laughs) Chicago. (laughs) He said, handing, handing the technician a crisp business card. I'm with the Orpheus Institute. We're a semi-private medical research body, and we've dealt with a few cases similar to this one. And mint chocolate chip ice cream. (laughs) The hospital president has already agreed to let us look into this. Okay, you should say that's exactly right in that voice. That's exactly right. (laughs) I already said it like six times. (laughs) Uh, almost invisibly, a number of men had moved in behind Cone. Cone. <laughs> Ice cream cone <laughs> king of Chicago. Uh, a number of men had moved in behind Cone and were now making their way over to the technician. These men will help explain the confidentiality situation surrounding issues like this. We will handle the boy from here. More men, these ones in pure white scrubs that had a strange logo on the left breast, got Dennis back on the stretcher and led us all into a hallway. We followed wordlessly, never thinking to say anything because at least these new people represented new possibilities, a completely new road that might lead to an explanation. They rolled Dennis into an operating theater and my mother gasped. Look, just what are you doing, said my father in a husky voice that made it obvious he was still holding in tears. Cones, who had been striding ahead of the stretcher with a speed that belied his age, had stopped once we got to the theater and was now taking deliberate care to look us all three of us in the eyes. We were still in the hallway, the operating theater door shut behind us. He answered in a low, comfortable tone. We're not performing surgery. It's just the quietest part of the hospital, and there are no distractions in there. We want nothing more than to understand what has happened to your son. This sort of thing has happened before. Uh, Your son is conscious, and as we understand, he will only talk to his brother here. We want to use Harry to ask Dennis our questions. We believe this would work best if he and Harry were alone. We got the theater wired, so we can hear the answers. Jesus. My parents didn't say anything for a while. My father broke the silence with weak, staggered words. Do you you think he might come back? I know that even if he does, it won't be for long, but I'd really like him to come back for however long. I didn't say enough. I wasn't big enough to say the things that we had to say to each other. If such a thing is possible, I swear we will do everything in our power to make it happen. We've prepared a private waiting room for you two. Cones gestured down to the turn in the hallway. There were two people in the white scrubs standing there. Pete and Shirley will lead you to there. If you would please go with them. 
My parents began to shuffle down the corridor, my mother still buried in my father's side. My father kept throwing looks back over his shoulder at me like he was afraid I would vanish. Soon they were gone and I felt Combs' hand come down onto my shoulder. I turned around to him and he knelt down so we were closer to being level. I know this is very hard on you. I know this must be the worst day of your life. But do you think you're up to a quick history lesson? No, absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck off, old timer. I couldn't bring myself to answer properly, but some curiosity managed to rise through the delirium and shock, and I nodded. Cone smiled. One of the most significant moments of human history was the moon landing. And it's not even the fact itself that makes it so important. It's that we had contact with them the whole time they were up there. They were sending radio signals back to Earth and could be talked to. Do you think that the moon landing would be what it was if we didn't have that kind of connection to our men as they strode the unsettling and inhospitable surface of a place we were never meant to have knowledge of? What if they'd just gone up and never came back? What if we knew for sure that they got there but had no signals from them? I was still quite out of it, so I can't say I was properly digesting all of this. I slurred out, I don't know. They didn't know if they could get the astronauts back. It was a very real possibility that they'd be left up there to die, stranded. Yet they still did it. It didn't matter if the the mission was a failure. It didn't matter if there was no triumphant return. Do you know what mattered? What mattered more than anything was speaking to them while they were up there, to have that connection to three brave men in the void, describing man's first step into the unknown. If they'd never come back, it wouldn't have changed anything. As long as we down here managed to make that connection to the beyond, as long as we down here, for however long, had men up there, men to describe the soil, men to explain the feeling of being so light, men to tell us what the earth looked like, cut in half by the lunar horizon, men to teach us about a new world. His hand tightened on my shoulder. None of that would have been possible without the people in Houston, without the men who talked to the astronauts, kept them focused, made sure we got the information we needed. Harry, we believe Dennis is in a very strange place that humanity would do well to learn about. You are Houston. Your brother is the astronaut. He pulled a laminated sheet out from under his lapel. Here is a sheet with some topics you should focus on and questions you should ask. This should help you get the most useful and needed information. But the most important thing is to keep him talking. Stop talking for five seconds and you could lose him. (laughs) Great. I accepted the card, having given up on reaching a decent understanding of the situation. He ushered me into the operating theater and shut the door behind me. I was alone. The only sound, an an almost audible, inaudible ringing that emanated from the mass of stainless steel racks and implements, and the cold, sturdy operating table Dennis was lying on. I approached the table and, 
In need of any sort of guidance, I looked at the laminated sheet. General principles. Try to keep your loved one slash the subject unaware of their deceased state. Past experience suggests that the shock may cause disconnection. Maintain constant conversation, as this has been shown to help maintain the connection. Do not ask leading questions, such as whether your loved one slash the subject is having experiences in line with your own religious belief. First step, ask your loved one slash the subject to describe their experiences and or surroundings. Encourage them to be as, a gasp pulled my attention away from the sheet. Harry, Dennis said. Yes, it's me, I answered, grabbing his hand. There was now no doubt that he really was dead. The hand was ice cold, and the fingers had locked in place at odd angles with rigor mortis. His entire body had gone from the sickly white of the dying to the rain-cloud shade of dead. I got to the gray, to the ground. Came down easy like a leaf. Cold. I'm standing there now. Dennis, can you describe where you are? It's still gray, but it's more real now, solid. Gray sand underneath, gray ocean behind me, gray clouds above. Don't remember going through the clouds, but they're there now. The clouds, they're screaming. An ocean, I said. Can you see anything in the ocean? Uh, this is very Stranger Things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, though, how, um, how shitty must it be? to be staring at your brother's, like, rotting corpse. Like, and, like I, I, it's probably not, it, ro- like, it's probably not it. rotting yet, yeah. but, like, it's gonna get to the point where, like, it might be, like, you know, like, falling apart and it's still fucking talking. Like, that's fucking terrible. Yeah, like, your finger in, like, a 90-degree angle at the knuckle, and it's, like, you, like your brother's just, just like touching it. It's a dead body, and it's just like, by the way, like, <laughs> I'm totally, I'm totally somewhere that isn't where you are. Yeah. That's terrifying! What? An ocean, I said. Can you see anything in the ocean? Dennis took in a phlegmy, pointless breath. Far away, the horizon, it gets dark. Dark, hungry line where even clouds stop, where everything stops. Darkness is clawing, moving like it's alive. Miles and miles of angry, hungry, hungry dark. Can't go there, can't go that way. At this point, I lost the thread of the exchange as perspective suddenly hit. All the things I didn't understand, and the fact that whatever Dennis was, he wasn't alive. I broke, crying and wailing and digging my face into his bare, emaciated ribs, cold like meat straight out of the fridge. I kept squeezing his hand harder and harder, pushing the stiff fingers closer together. Dennis, please come back. Please. Wherever you are, just get back here. Harry. Harry, are you crying? It's hard to tell. So much here already sounds like crying. His words struck me deep enough to make my sobs catch in my throat, and I just started looking at him again, settling back to my previous catatonic distance from what was happening. I can't come back. No getting back. Like spilling something on the ground. No getting it all back inside and right again. I took a few seconds to force myself to accept this, but I carried on, hoping that maybe I could steer him towards some sign that he was wrong. What's in the other direction? away from the ocean. That's the way I have to go. If I try and swim, the darkness will tear me up, shred away everything, only until my pain is left, and it'll toss that into the clouds, into the clouds, and I'll scream. Dennis, tell me what's in the other direction. Just the sand, 
the gray sand on and on. Not many bad things yet. Not many bad things to see yet. There will be more when I get where I'm going. I'm going to start walking now, Harry. Where are you meant to be going? I said. I'd, start, I'd started digging my nails anxiously into my forearm. There was something nauseatingly, dreadfully true about everything he was saying. It was like the first time you learn the world is round, and it feels weird for a few seconds, and soon you get used to the idea and you see it's the truth. That's the big secret, and it doesn't matter how flat the ground feels. It doesn't matter how little sense it makes. It's true. Well, it's true for most people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. And he just kept talking. I can see another person. Nope, this is where I disconnect. I don't want to fucking hear a fucking thing about other dead people in the fucking netherworlds. I'm done. I'm, you gotta I'm do out. it. You I'm gotta out. do it, Cap. Can you talk to them? I said, trying to keep my voice steady, feeling like I shouldn't be the one who couldn't keep it together. I suppose I could, but I can't. Thank you. What do you mean? It's just not a talking kind of place. We were supposed to have done all our talking before we came here. Now we should just keep quiet. But you're talking to me, Dennis. But my voice isn't here. My voice is all the way up there with you. Hmm. Dennis, That's I said. That's interesting. It's like he's talking in his head. Yeah. Still. That's uh, so weird. <laughs> Dennis, I said, now squeezing my eyes to force the tears back in. Dennis, please tell me what's happening. I think I finally died. And what's happening now is what happens next. The thing that was always going to happen next. It feels right in a scary way. It's been expecting me for so long, since before I was even a fuzzy little thing that might happen. Since before our parents and their parents, and so far back it's been expecting me. Please stop talking like that. You don't talk like that. You never have. Sorry, you just sort of see things different here. Some things you know without ever being told. Some things you forget. I couldn't think of anything to say and started to worry, remembering that I left the pauses too long he could stop answering. Hey, said Dennis, and the edges of his mouth strained out, awkwardly imitating a smile. I see a few more. More people, and they're all naked, but really naked. Their clothes are off, and they're all gray and wrinkly, and that... But that's not it. You can kind of see inside them. Like all the walls have fallen down and you can see who they are. All their thoughts and feelings just kind of hanging around them like ghosts. It's like someone's pulled the clothes off their whole past. They're so naked, Harry. It's an interesting word choice. Yeah. He made a light coughing sound that was meant to be a laugh. That's really scary. Oh, I thought you might have thought it was funny. (laughs) I don't, I don't know which one is saying which thing. He made a light coughing sound that was meant to be a laugh. And uh, he, the, the narrator said, that's really scary. Okay. That's really scary. Oh, I thought you might have thought it was funny. I don't think we're going to laugh at the same stuff anymore. I think you're different now. I guess that makes, makes sense. <laughs> this is so, so weird. So what are all the people doing? Most of them are moving, same direction as me, towards the center. The center of what? It's just called the center, the center of this place, maybe the center of everything. But what? I said, starting to lose control. Why do you have to go? 
I don't have to. Nobody has to. Just like you don't have to shake someone's hand when they put it out (laughs) or answer them when they talk to you. But it would feel wrong not to. It's what you're meant to do, and there's not any other good options. You don't want to stand still. I thought about the coronavirus when they said <laughs> shake someone's hand when they put it out. Okay, okay, maybe, maybe in that situation. What happens when you stand still? Depends. A few days ago, I passed this woman. A few days? I said, gripping the cold steel of the operating table, as I was filled with an eerie sense of vertigo. You haven't been dead for even a day. I passed her a few days ago, he said, carrying on like he hadn't heard me. Hmm. She didn't even reach the center. She just sat down, started going her own way. She pulled one side of her ribcage out, and it's all stretched, spreading up to her left so high, stretching out the arm, grabbing its corner. Most of her skin started to get hard and flaky, like old wood or crumbling stone. I can see herself musician liked music kind of thought of her life like a song sometimes it repeated itself some bad notes here and there but it was pulling itself together she was just reaching the chorus and it ended it was over so fast and she can't accept it she's picked this sharp rock off the ground and she's scraping it past her ribs like a huge harp or something angry trying to make music keep the song going but it's an awful sound sawing bone and it's never going to replace what should have come next she's already grown into the ground she's going to be here forever trying to make the music she missed out on there was nothing to say to that so i just went quiet for a while assuming he'd keep talking yeah alanis morissette really isn't doing too well on the other side um starting to feel like this story is about me (laughs) oh come on (laughs) no it's like now it's extremely relevant (laughs) that's that's painful (laughs) uh there was nothing to say to that so i just kept quiet for a while assuming he'd keep talking he didn't dennis dennis no answer a terrified jolt ran through me and i started slamming my fist onto his chest dennis come back dennis A growl tore out of his mouth, and his frame thrashed upwards, causing me to jump back and tumble down onto the floor, smashing into surgeon's shelves and causing gleaming surgical instruments to rain down around me. I didn't have time to think before I'd forced myself up again and bent over the operating table to stare desperately into my brother's eyes. I took his hand again, squeezing it as hard as I could. Harry, he said, and relief flooded through me. It's been so long. So long it's been years. No. What? No. (laughs) I've been walking for years. Years and years, and it keeps getting worse. It hasn't been a day. It's been so many years, and everything keeps getting worse. (laughs) What? What's worse? It's 2020. (laughs) It gets worse closer to the center. There's so many people now. Thousands. Tens of thousands, and they're all walking to the center. But what's so terrible? There's more, so many more, like the girl with the harp I told you about, stuck in place, trying to fix what happened, angry about what happened, 
rooted to the ground, moaning, calling out names of the people they think did this to them. Sometimes a few join up, and when they all get hard and crackly like old statues, they start to grow together, start to feel each other's pain. Sometimes there's mountains of them, entire landscapes of people crying about how unfair it all is. That is... I'm still walking. A nightmare. But where are you going? I told you, the center. I'm getting close now. All the clouds with their screaming faces are curving. All curving and being pulled in the same direction, twisting their way into the center. Please just stop walking and come back. Can't. No coming back. Besides, I have to keep moving like everyone else. Doing something weird. It's the quickest way for the walkers to notice you. Oh god, what are the walkers? Started started seeing them more as I got towards the center. They're all over the place now. They're these things walk around on three legs like stilts, covered in sharp black shells like thorns. Remember the aquarium? They're kinds like those they're kinda like those urchins we saw at the aquarium, but the top part, the main part, it's more exact, kinda arty, like a sculptor designed the shape. Reminds me of some kind of chess piece. When they notice you, they come over you, toppling towards you, but never falling over these long legs. Spindly. Yeah, that's what you'd say. They're spindly legs. And they stop right over you. You're just between their legs, and you see the holes underneath their main bit, and the tendrils come out. Red, windy tendrils with these itchy hairs come down, and they start curling and swinging all around you. You almost don't mind at first because they're red. You've been seeing nothing but gray and black for years, and the tendrils are red, and it's beautiful, but then they touch you. They touch you, and it's awful. <laughs> every bad thing you've ever felt, every bad thing that ever happens to you, start bubbling up to the surface, drowning you. All the pain that ever went into you rises up and out, and the walkers feed on it. They lick it with their tendrils. They love the taste, the taste of all the things that shouldn't have happened. They love to taste the misery. Eventually they get full and move on, and you you get up and keep walking. Jesus, Dennis. Jesus. It's fine. They're bad, but you get a sense of perspective here. Sure, they're scary for you, but they're nothing next to the center. They're bottom feeders. Moss that grew on the outskirts. If they're really like sea urchins, then the center. The center must be like a shark or a whale, or some huge thing right at the bottom of the sea that's too big to come up near the surface. You've never said things like this before. I don't know how to describe it. When you're here, stuff just breaks down a little, and you don't always need to have learned a word to know it. This place is less obsessed with causes, and two plus two equaling four. It's just... its job isn't to make sense. But what is its job? I don't know. Maybe I'll find out at the center. It's hard for me to believe that an afterlife is almost, like, processed like this. Like, some... Mm. I don't know. Like, it reminds me of, like, a Stephen King story. Like, this is this is a combination of long walk and jaunt. Like, jaunt is, um, you know, a sci-fi teleportation story that says, like, the idea of opening a portal somewhere and opening a portal somewhere else means that the negative space you have to travel through is still equal. Hmm. So the idea is that you have to go in asleep so that you can come out the other side without having looked off into the void. And 
this kid like fakes going to sleep and he's awake for the entire time and he comes out the other side completely fucked just completely uh. fucking he's he's like his hair has turned white he's aged mentally and physically like 30 years he, he just lo- he looks like he's been through like a living nightmare and all he screams is like it's longer than it looks it's longer than it looks you know wow. like, and like that's a really good Stephen King story and the other one is The Long Walk which is um, the Hunger Games story where there's a um, dystopic future where teenage boys need to um, and just teenage boys, um, because due to overpopulation and shit, um, need to walk in marathons leading from, like, the West Coast to the East Coast, and they're, if you lag behind a certain number, you're shot and killed, and if you, if you are the one person to make it to the other side and, like, survive, you are allowed to go free and you'll never be raffled ever again, you know, hmm. um, but essentially, you know, a little bit hunger some, games. Something, like, <laughs> something like 199 boys will die, and only one will survive. And yeah, it's it's very Hunger Gamesy, but it was in it was written in like the late 90s, I think. Hmm. So you know, um, hmm. it's definitely up yeah, there. Yeah, this is very abstract, which makes sense for an afterlife, but I'm almost suspecting that this is specifically for people who died of cancer. Hmm. Because it's like that would be an interesting twist. Because it's like, you know, terrifying cancer's a, cancer's and like very awful type after of and like maybe these people are still cancerous in this place and until they get to oh, the shit. center they won't be like I don't know. That's very interesting. Because you don't always die and feel like your life is not finished, right? But when you die of cancer, I feel like uh, more people than not might feel like that. Oh, I, I would definitely agree with that. And so to describe the people that are feeling that in this place and then to describe all these people like going toward one center common thing, it's like, what is it's the thing prob- that they all have probably, in common? Like he said, it's probably a very bad thing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's still so interesting. So it's either that or hell. <laughs> it's still interesting to think of like a processed other side though, where mm-hmm. it's like you almost have like a drone-like acceptance of everything and you know something is calling to you like a queen is calling to you to like hmm. come back to the colony and did just... they establish an age that did they establish an age of the twins in the beginning of the story i think so i think so too i think i, I will scroll back up and I, I know where we're at um 10th birthday ah jesus yeah no. that changes things a little bit it's like... i know but like it's the idea that um Imagine all of these very mature and very uh, obtuse things coming out of a 10-year-old's mouth. Yeah. You know? Crazy. (sighs) Okay. Maybe I'll find out at the center. He went quiet again, and this time I wasn't sure I wanted to stop him drifting off. I wasn't sure I wanted to hear any more of this, but regardless of what I wanted, another groan soon creeped out of his mouth, and he was back. Shit. Shit. I see it now. I see the center. His hand began to close, slowly but inevitably, around mine, overcoming the rigor mortis to press in on my fingers like an iron vice. Whoa, that's the first time it got physical. Yeah, yeah. I kept trying to get out, almost yanking off the table, but I couldn't even budge inside the agonizing grip. Yeah, what if he takes his brother with him? Jesus Christ. It's inside, inside this huge thing like a beehive floating above the ground it's gray too gray and covered with streaks and ridges and like it was 
like it was used to be liquid, like it used to be liquid and hardened, or like it's made of a web or something. So big, Harry. I've never seen anything like it. All the clouds are swirling down into the hole at the top of it, still screaming. Hundreds of holes, messy, ragged holes, pitch black on the inside. It's bigger than cities, Harry, and everyone's heading towards it, thousands and thousands swarming under it, pushing against each other to climb the bridges, messy bridges from the ground, right up to the holes, right into the pitch black. The center's in there, Harry, I'm here. Please, I said, whimpering with my pain in my hand. You can't go in. There's nothing good in that place. I knew this as a fact, not just because of the description, but as a gut feeling. I knew that what he was talking about was real and fundamental, as important as a part of our existence as the sun and the moon and birth, but bad somehow, dripping with wrongness to its core. Where else is there to go? I'm at one of the bridges. Please, you can come back. No, that'd be like going back into the womb. Can't be done. This is what's next. Oh. What? Why? Oh god, I'm starting to feel something. I think the center's doing it. I'm getting... bitter. Every mean, spiteful, everything angry inside me. It's swelling, spreading out, and smothering the rest of me. I'm so mad, Harry. I'm getting so much smaller, and my hate is getting so much bigger. His hand tightened, and I screamed. Why was it me? Why was it me and not you? What did you do that I didn't? What did I do that you didn't? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I said fully in tears. His voice had changed. It was still quiet, but it was rabid. Each word growled and soaked with vitriol. I hate you. Do you know that? Still able to stand, still able to run, still able to breathe. I fucking hate you. I was hurting all the time and you just stood there feeling sorry for me. You couldn't feel any of it just waiting to see me die so you could fuck off and do everything I never would. That's so fucking mean. I was yelling and screaming for someone to come in and help. I'd almost pulled Dennis off the table, his torso hanging over the side, held straight by whatever force was allowing him to squeeze my hand. In all this, his eyes were still as dead as they'd always been. And then he went limp. His hand let go. His back sagged, and he crashed to the floor. He'd broken three of my fingers, but shock was keeping it distant. I threw myself down onto my knees to see his face, slapping it and looking for any sign he was still there. He gasped again, fainter than ever now. Oh no. Oh Jesus. I'm inside, and it's so much worse than I thought. It's beyond worse. It's so far past the worst I thought something could be. Please, Dennis, listen. Please tell me what's happening. It's the center. It's so big, big and floating above me. It's so much bigger than the hive. So much bigger than what's, what it's inside. And the hole inside is so much bigger. It's so big. It's gray, too. Always gray. Gray and cracked like stone all over endless miles of it. His voice had changed. It was whiny and small and afraid. It's hurting me, Harry. It's hurting me more than I've ever been hurt, and it hasn't even noticed me. Please, the man told you need told me you need to describe it. He said if you kept talking, you might stay. So big, he said, his voice wobbling and breaking like he was crying. Its fingers are bigger than skyscrapers, and it has so many fingers, millions, and ribs. The body is all ribs. 
or are they just fingers all folded up? I don't know, but there's so many and so big, Harry, and the masks. Jesus, the masks. I don't like masks. Oh, no. <laughs> what masks? The masks. Its face is bigger than countries, all different. Some, the eyes are perfect circles. Other have huge pointy holes where the mouths should be. Some are blank and some have eight eye holes. And some look like human faces, like perfect human faces with deep, dark, hollow eyes. All of them, the inside of all of them is so dark. A living dark, a pulsing dark, pulsing all together and it's so huge. So huge and you can feel it pressing in on you filling the air with badness and crushing down on you and from inside you can feel the bad in you reaching out to it out to it like a baby reaching out for its mom and Jesus Christ Harry he was breathing in and out faster and faster shallow scared breaths instincts overcoming the fact that he didn't need air Dennis talk to me what is it what is it it's not the devil no that's what I thought at first but it's not it's it's more like God. It's like if God hated everything. His breathing hiked up again. Oh, Jesus. It sees me. Please, please promise me one thing. Just one thing, please. What? What is it? Please don't ever die. One last breath rolled out of his mouth. I tried everything to get him back. Everything I could think of in an animalistic burst of desperate energy. I hit him, shook him, pleaded, but he was really gone this time. I knelt there in the room for a while, his last words carving into a deep part of my mind that I knew I could never dig them out of. I don't know if I could take much more of this. Do you want to switch off? Yeah, well, I feel, I mean, I. it's up to you. I feel bad that I've read the whole thing. Oh no! I, I mean, you did cones. I, 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 like, I, like, <laughs> I liked reading those cones. I just felt like it, it. There was so much in their conversation that was like, like one person talking to another person that we either should have let one person read the entire yeah, they're thing, twins, or so one, they probably sound or one of us should have taken one voice and one of us should have taken the other. Yeah. And I just wanted you to. I was vibing. So yeah, I'm just, down. I'm I down. I just let it point. happen. All right. So if if you want to finish this out, you can absolutely yeah. finish it out. So weird. It's it's interesting though because I think like like did did the other kid just die again? Like what you're telling me your soul goes off to some weird planet and there's a multi-faced god with tons of hands and fingers and he just fucking annihilates you and that's death. I don't know. I can't. He was walking for a couple years, he said, but just like... Yeah, what? I don't know. Like That part is extremely weird, because I'm like... Time displacement, sure. Yeah. Gravity, That for me, that's like interstellar, you know? Like, uh, the guy who said he was stuck on the on the, on the the planet for seven years well, comes yeah. back younger than the person in the spaceship, because the person in the spaceship was operating in a different gravita- gravitational function, so that means time was passing. Yeah. S- like, faster somewhere than slower somewhere else. So even though they both had experienced the same amount of time, one of them was older. You know, like, that type of shit fucks with me. So I yeah. think and there's, I think there's I big that. connections here between what Cone said in the beginning about 
the moon. Oh, absolutely. And what that's his actually going That's to him do. justifying his job to a 10-year-old. <laughs> yeah, but like, it's What like, we're doing here is very important. You need to get as much information as you can. Thanks. Yeah, bye. but just the imagery, <laughs> like, just the imagery of the moon and, like, where oh, what this yeah, guy is describing. The traveling to yeah. a different planet. Yeah. What he's describing. Very he's similar. In. Very similar. Um... And the other thing I was going to say was those, like, those things with the tendrils reminded me of uh, that movie with the guy and the two kids and the War aliens. War of the Worlds. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was very... It reminds me of War of the Worlds. It was very H.G. Wells. This this story is very H.P. Lovecraft and H.G. Wells had a baby. Like, the <laughs> otherworldly, other planet monstery thing is a Lovecraft-like concept there, there and back again. But the tripods from War of the Worlds mm-hmm. are very specifically like what that guy just described. Yeah, so weird. And <laughs> as much of a fan of the shit that I am, it's surprising that I can never remember titles. <laughs> That's totally fine. <laughs> the next few hours, in fact, the next few days were kind of a blur. I remember men in the Institute's white scrubs coming in and dragging me away from the body. I remember getting my hand seen to and put in a cast and sling. I remember Daniel Cohn sitting me down in a bright white room and interrogating me. He called it a conversation, but it was an interrogation, a warm interrogation by a man who could be kind if it meant getting what he wanted. He asked me if I had had any visions or any strong sensations, if I thought Dennis was telling the truth, and if I could explain the ways in which Dennis was acting differently than he already was. I was detached and drowsy from exhaustion and trauma and pain from my hand and just answered honestly. At the end, Cones made me memorize a phone number and sign a load of confidentiality forms, making it very clear that not a word of this could leave the hospital. I was to call if I started experiencing any phenomena I thought were related to my dentist, and finally, they left. My parents and I took a taxi home. We didn't talk about what had happened after Dennis died, and I suppose that even that even that was the secondary add-on to the simple fact that Dennis was now properly dead and not coming back. We went home, got to bed, and the next morning we had a wordless breakfast with an extra chair pulled out. The years flew by, and the whole experience became something I just had to live with, some dreaded thing my thoughts would sometimes steer me back to, but mostly I managed to keep living, to accept it all as something... I couldn't understand. As something I couldn't understand, the fact that Dennis was gone was always worse than he than the way he went, however terrifying and unnatural it was. But lately I've been having a dream. It started off vague and incomplete, but every few nights it repeated, getting longer and more vivid. It always starts the same, with me and Dennis, both of us kids again, on a green hill, on a bright clear day, crisp air sighing past us. I can't remember most of the words, but the gist is that he's bragging, showing off, saying that dad loves him more and that he's better than me, that he's going to keep being better for as long as he's alive, he's going to keep making dad love him more for as long as he's able. And I get so mad, way madder than I'd ever have gotten if he said those things in real life. I see a rock, and without thinking, I pick it up and attack him with it knocking him over and beating him again and again until his skin was swollen and torn and you could see parts of his skull underneath. He managed to push me off and run, and I followed, never thinking twice about it. I chase him so far until finally he runs into a pass between two mountains in a long, dark range that I somehow never see until that point. The range extends to either side, 
seemingly forever, and the sky above it is saturated with heavy dark clouds. It's like Mordor or something. I always stop running at this point, knowing that I've chased him far enough. The job is done. I start to leave my body, surging forward down the pass, no longer myself, just a nameless, thoughtless observer, gliding like a ghost for lack of legs. He runs down the dark pass, on and on, and into a sunless, barren country on the other side, a place where the soil is gray and dry. He runs for ages, but soon he stops, stops and falls, and curses me, screams about how much he hates me and how much I cost him by driving him to this place. He rages for a long time. Then a second person comes, sometimes a man, sometimes a woman, sometimes old, sometimes young. They say they too were driven past the mountains, or that they wander, they wander past them by mistake and couldn't get back over. Dennis always says the same thing. Then let's suffer together. Let's hurt together. And this person always latched onto Dennis, and Dennis latches back, and they scream or cry or say they want to see people who wronged them skinned alive. And more always come, a trickle first, then a flood, latching onto Dennis and the first person, all of them, clasping together and piling up into a giant, deafening mass of squirming bodies, and eventually it's huge, almost up to the clouds. And then there's a rumbling, a massive shifting sound. The countless bodies start to rearrange, forming deep canyons of flesh that make up a horrendous, rage-filled outline of a face. There's a shift greater than any earthquake. The pile moves, rolling forward, pulling itself with enormous appendages made of the miserable and the bitter and the despairing. It inches and tumbles on and on, crashing down and dragging itself onwards with overwhelming apocalyptic sounds. And then I see that it's heading for the mountain range. It's heading back to the bright place with all its anger and hate and vengeances. And as much as it's made of millions and millions of people, I always know it's still one thing. One thing with one will, but all the hatreds of everyone buried in it, all the way back to the first one. The first one to curse, his rage still there, rage directed at the first one to sin. It gets right up to the mountains. Then I wake up. I think something's coming. Something that got started a long time ago. Something that strips away good and builds itself on the bad. And I think it's almost strong enough to set out, to start moving, and I think when it gets here, the living will be no better off than the dead. That's a fun ending. Hmm. It's saying that, like, uh, the, the first death was almost a sin, and, you know, it was, uh, it wasn't its own fault, and that God got super pissed, <laughs> and essentially... <laughs> Um, for every death that stacks up, it's going towards like a, a sand in an hourglass that eventually is going to get overfilled with so much hatred that it just ends the fucking universe. Yeah. That's pretty fucking crazy. That's a crazy goddamn concept to even think about. I know. Whoever wrote this is, is crazy. <laughs> um, but I think that they definitely got their inspiration from, like I said, from like various the, things, the Bible, HG Wells, HP Lovecraft, um, lots of lots of like horror tropes i imagine there's yeah there's a like little, a few strange a, references like there's a little bit of mythology in mordor. there that yeah <laughs> like mordor uh, the cain and abel the misspelling of abel at the mm. end like like you didn't need to do that bud like we got it <laughs> you know we understand the first the world's first murder you know religion's first sin you know i don't know 
I'm not a very religious person, so I will look at that as like scientifically as I possibly could. Yeah. I think it fits much more as a um the idea that when you die your body transcends to a different plane of existence and that on that plane there exists something so mighty and so evil and so angry that it might at some point reverse the effect of death and make living on earth as bad as existing on that that other plane yeah might like transform the whole reality and like world if that it we can know. make if it can make dead talk and hurt i assume it could make almost like everything dead you know a reality like yeah the, the same way it was making the dead kind of come to it and form this giant structure who's to say it wouldn't make the dead on our side go and do the same thing and just fucking kill yeah. all of humanity hmm. um it's fun to think about oh, and wild. i and i thought that was a fun story i think um parts of it in my head also went to like um the world of this really great japanese um horror author and, and manga artist, um, Junji Ito, who's done a, a, a crazy slew of shit. One of my favorite stories he writes is the, um, the Enigma of Amagara Fault. And, um, the story was very similar to, to me and I could best summarize it as, let's just say one day in, in fucking California, one of the big fucking mountains just splits open just but instead of like letting out like lava or anything it's 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 shown that deep in the mountain are the shapes of bodies built in to the sides of the cliff face Hmm. and it's almost like it starts on one end and just continues but it's all the shapes of human bodies and they're all different sizes and all different shapes and everyone around the country is slowly being drawn into, like, this enigma, this this thing that's going oh. on. And some people that go there are drawn to finding their shapes. And when they find their shape, they go so mad that they walk into it. Hmm. And the idea is that it's your perfect fit, so you're kind of shuffling along. And um, at some point in the story... The doctors and scientists who are studying the the fault find out that when it gets further down, it doesn't so much look like a human anymore. Like, the shape that goes in is not the same shape that comes out. Hmm. And it, it begs to question, like, you know, at what point does the human body, like, die and become something else? Or, or even where is... What, what does this turn into? What does... If you come in here, if you're on this side of reality, what is the other section yeah. that this is connected to? And then the story ends with, across the planet, another mountain opens up, and it's the shapes of, like, something else. Hmm. And as someone looks inside, all they see is, like, a screaming, swirling mass Ooh. of what looks like it used to be a human, you know, like, and, and it's just, it's, it's a very haunting and like the manga illustrations are very haunting and jarring. And the people have this like madness that they're just drawn to walk into their shape, you know, to find their place. They, yeah. cont- they continually like out of worldly talk the same way that the dead kid talks in this story. Like it's my shape. This is meant for me. Like I'm supposed to do this hmm. type of thing. And 
and you know the story revolves around a guy trying to save his girlfriend from like going to her shape yeah so you know like you know he wakes up one night and she's just gone and he's just like dear yeah. god like dear god i hope she didn't go to the mountain you know like <sighs> it's it's haunting and like it's haunting in the same way that this story is haunting it's it's implying that you know, something is worse than death. Yeah. Like, what is worse than death? Hmm. Well, like, whatever's after death. Like, I just imagined a, a great big darkness, kind of like yeah. the big sleep, and I'm totally okay with that. I well, love sleep. Being, <laughs> a, being a huge nerd and fan for, like, the major film franchises, like Lord of the Rings, I'm a huge Potterhead, I'm a closet twihard, judge me. Um, <laughs> never I love and like Maze Runner is a pretty cool one too and like there's some different ones but you know the major ones you're and, like, a big YA fan yeah the reference to Mordor got me particularly because of that line that everyone makes a fucking meme out of that's like you don't just walk into Mordor well they Mordor. they really didn't just walk into this mountain range they were pushed they were driven oh absolutely they were like so the imagery there is also like hmm like mordor in comparison dark bleak right but there were some people that just straight up walked into mordor and they were already like fucked up post-death versions of themselves <laughs> absolutely absolutely <laughs> just just like much on our side there are people dying for different reasons all over the place xyz right. some people take their own lives like like so much of the story's trauma like does find itself in real life horror you yeah. know like the i like we already fear death that's already something that's uh, like inherent with our ability to live like it is something we are born doing. Like yeah. we, we are born fearing. Like it's that's why they say like religion is like God fearing, you know, like it's religion is for people who, who want to interpret what's on the other side or want to interpret their life in a more meaningful way. So it's just like you if you consider yourself God fearing, you're just replacing the void with something else. Like yeah. for me, like I just kind of recognize the void. I just tell myself, like, after death, you know, our energy goes one place, our bodies go another, and that's just what happens, mm. and, you know, say la vie. But, like, you know, <laughs> the experience of your, of your life, you know, who's to say that your brain, and I love to talk about this with people, who's to say that your brain doesn't experience something else completely when you're dying? Mm. They say that there's an energy that goes off twice in your life to the same um, electromagnetic impulse, um, like an MRI, like, has been picked up on the brain. Like, the birth of a child, there's an energy that's given off that is only repeated at one other time in that person's life, uh, neuron speaking, like, like all of the pistons firing at the same time in your brain, and it's when you die. Hmm. So the idea of someone experiencing an entire different life somewhere else on a goddamn planet with with evil hp lovecraft gods <laughs> like totally because there there is studies that say that like something happens in your brain i would like to think that the reason people say that like your life flashes before your eyes is because your brain almost relives all of the moments of your life mm. and and maybe it's like one big old powerpoint of like the greatest hits <laughs> But if you lived your life miserably, it's a PowerPoint of your greatest downs. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. maybe that's, maybe that is hell. 
to some people. Mm-hmm. Maybe 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 reliving all of your worst experiences is hell. Maybe becoming a becoming aware of it is hell. You know, it, well, it's the so reference, many different ways to think about it. The explicit reference to God is also interesting because it's like yeah. I, you know, I was raised Roman Catholic and like whatever you want to make of that, but the fact that he implied that God was so angry at like what we made out of the free will that he gave us, like maybe when he, maybe if all that happened and he gave us free will, he never thought that it would turn into like some of the worst, like bloodiest crimes and like stories that that humans as a entity have to tell today so it's like maybe we pissed him off so much with our free will that this is now what heaven is like because a 10 year old kid is not going to go to fucking hell you know like Maybe this is what happened. Also, like it, it like was one thing. That's it actually was clouds and that's it was, actually a good. It was point. a gate and all this like and all these things and then now God is so angry and he's become such like so bitter. So yeah, bitter and he, infuriated. He said, he said uh, that vitriolic. the closer you get to him, the more you feel like that yourself, even though you're like this ten year old kid who hasn't even experienced life yet. And and, like, and because you know dying is essentially return to sender. You know you you're going back to where you once came from, and now right. instead of seeing something warm and light and and enveloping, you know it's it's crushing and and gray and and bleak and and horrible. Right. I, I think that's fair, and I think um, I think your perception of like a ten year old wouldn't go to hell, like, you know that's. But the ten year olds, you know, the ten year olds dead. You know, like where 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 they're going is as good as anyone else is going. Yeah. I assume, you know. Yeah. Um. You know, it it's your your moral obligations of of what people do. I think are kind of expressed by what he he describes as the um. The mountains of people that are screaming and blaming their shit on other people, mm. or you know, for for maybe even for what they've done. So, you know, like, I'd like to think that that's how, like, him walking, him having a free will in this place is his ex- is a, a positive experience of that world. Because I would say a negative experience is what that songwriter was doing to herself. You know, mm-hmm. Alanis Morissette over there. <laughs> um, you know, what she was doing is she was she was kind of maiming herself and and letting that otherworldly death become her. Mm-hmm. And like I think that's the that's the no no to that situation. Yeah, of course, you don't want to be that person. You don't want to be Alanis Morissette. <laughs> you you want to be Forrest Gump, just walking endlessly and, and obliviously into nothingness. Yeah, and he like knew that that's what he had to do somehow. Why like, weird that she didn't get that? But I guess it's because she, she couldn't was get so past focused. herself. Yeah, she was so focused on missing out on things in life and that's it's it's fair to say that the things she were mad she was mad about were sins you know like Mm. like her she couldn't get past her own like petty shit yeah to to see the bigger picture and i think that you know that has religious undertones to it um really fun story (laughs) 
I gotta say, really fun story. We don't read shit like that often. Yeah. And I'm also glad that it, it's also in tune with you as a person and mm. what you were looking to get out of tonight. Yeah. Because I thought we were going to read something spooky. <laughs> I thought, I told you it was at the beginning of the sure, episode that not... I thought we were dealing with ghosts. Yeah. We ain't dealing with ghosts. <laughs> we're dealing with otherworldly fucking afterlife yeah. nihilism 3.0. <laughs> yeah, like spooky for sure, but not in the traditional lots of pasta sense. Spooky and the keep me up at night make me think about my life until the day I die type of spooky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Um, spooked me in the beginning for sure on how relevant it was to like anybody or like how relatable it was rather. Yeah. And then like, then it got real weird and you were like, okay, this is so not what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> but, but good time nonetheless. Uh, DSL Daisy, is there anything you want to share about uh, the show, your experience here, reading, um, what you thought of this story, any any closing thoughts? No, I'm just haps to even, you know, be here. And You read that entire fucking story. I did. You let <laughs> just me gave do it that. To you. Well, I, you were vibing and you were into it and I and I was picking up what you were putting I've down. I've never done a dead person's voice. And I had done cones. <laughs> you know, I, I hid... I was so into the story, and you could tell when I'm into a story, and people laugh about this online, like, I shut up. Mm. If I'm talking a lot through a story, I probably think it's bullshit. <laughs> so, so the fact that I was quiet for a majority of this story, I wasn't doing any off jokes, because it was just written so well, and I was mm. very interested in where it was going. Mm. I, I've seen a lot of movies that kind of tackle that same exact, like, story, you know, like... I would I would say that's a hellish version of Vanilla Sky and a wonderful version of The Discovery. Like <laughs> those are two, or, or maybe even a very sad wrist cutters love story. But anyway, um, all three movies I highly recommend. You know, when I thought about reading this story, I didn't expect it to go in that direction at all. But when you get to the dead kid talking, and like actually like. I thought we were going to have some type of ghost spirity voice. Mm -hmm. But then they very specifically describe that it's like a dead body talking. Hmm. And but for then the life you're like, of me, But then you're like, what the fuck is that like? And for the life of me, all I could think of is when Spongebob doesn't have water in the, in the, oh episode, my God. In the episode where he's going to visit <laughs> Sandy at her terrarium. And he's just like, water! I always do that the next day when I'm like hungover and I wake up. <laughs> water! water! I need, I don't need it. I don't need it. And I need it. Like, I just. So, so, just like SpongeBob's post hangover voice in the. So, the reason I didn't interrupt version. you in the story and take on the other characters because you'd be like, you'd be like, Dennis, tell me about the other side. And I'd be playing Harry going, it's gray. <laughs> it's so gray. <laughs> because that's the only voice I was able to imagine. Yes, SpongeBob was about the only reference that this story didn't make. So I'm not surprised that we somehow got back to that. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> yeah, totally. I just, yeah, I hope you'll have me on again. I'd love to hang and read some more shit with I other I think people. next time we should definitely read bullshit because this story was too real yeah, this was for heavy. me. <laughs> this was heavy as fuck. It was material. I mean, of course I'm the one that you have on here to read this heavy ass story. <laughs> And, and it's and it's weird because it's just like there are so many people who I've had on the show I I already mentioned them Frowns and Django have been on 25 26 episodes apiece out of the like 200 mm. close to 200 that we've had and it's just like 
like those real stories didn't come out until the latter half of, of, <laughs> of episode like 100 I would yeah. say I would say pen pal is episode 80 something and Baraska starts at like 101 so it's like we didn't really get into realer sadder mm. stories despite yeah. my upbringing Catholicism yeah. I am now I categorize myself as more as like a spiritual person sure and you know believe in like fate and psychics and mediums and all those totally. energy type of things and so there were a few moments in this story where I was like whoa like I'm for sure the person that's meant to be like on this podcast reading this story because it was like it was like uh you this has happened in my life this is like you mentioned your connection to the story very yeah. early on so i felt like when you were reading it you were definitely getting something out of it so i let you i let you have the entire story we, i appreciate that we've we've done episodes like that with people mm. there there have been um i love giving shout outs to the left right game that was a series i did with my buddy tenron he and I play opposite characters, basically a road trip through the supernatural. Hmm. And um, it's a very fun series. I play like an old man and he plays like a young British woman. <laughs> and um, we all just like, we just dug into our voices and, and our character work and their plot progression. And uh, recently he and I did a series about um, a guy who works at a gas station and he just like writes things online very sarcastically. Uh, Tenron vibed with that character so much, I let him read, like, the entire <laughs> series, like, and I played the other characters that that character was interacting with. Yeah. Because it was written in such a first-hand account way that I was like, take it. Mm. He, he liked it so much, I was like, you could take all of part two, like, because <laughs> because I know that this means something to you and you're you're vibing with this character. Mm -hmm. Like, that just happens. Yeah. So you, you really connected to this story, and I thought this story was awesome. So yeah, and like I, there was no way of knowing time. that I would connect to the story that much. I would say people beginning. people who come on and have a solid first episode not only are like more likely to come back, but just like they're more open to the stories going in different directions the next time they come on. Because I know like we're not gonna strike lightning every fucking time mm -hmm. we read a story that was randomly written on the internet. Yeah, exactly. This story was definitely cool, and we can always use it as, like, an anchor point for what this medium is capable of doing. Yeah. What people online are capable of exporting. And I think sure. that's, that's, like, what... That's the bones of this fucking show. Yeah. So, you know... It's it's really cool to read a, a really cool story every once in a while, and that was definitely one of the cooler stories we've read in a while. Yeah. So anyway. Well, thanks, dude. I know you downplay the fuck out of it, but this is dope, and I appreciate it. <laughs> well, I, I, and I, I hope to be back. I have to be humble about several things in my life, and one of them <laughs> one of them is the podcast because I enjoy doing it. So yeah. I think when people tell me that they like listening to it, it's just like icing on the cake mm. or, or when people say they like doing it, you know, yeah. like that's, that's also its own form of, you know, gratefulness. So I, yeah. I dig it and I, and I feel when other people are digging it. So it's a, it's a good time. It's a fucking blast. So this, this has been episode 182 with DSL Daisy. Um, sure to be back again, uh, some, sometime, uh, post 200, um, and we'll we'll read some shorties. I'll find something. Shouties. I'll find something probably like totally random and and shorter for us to read that goes off in a completely different direction. Mm. Um, but that being said, this story's gonna go down as one of the wildest. Yeah. 
for one of the wildest. Over here. Wait till the days end when the moon is high Land until we stand at the shore.